Show. Shapeshifters. So can you make something go viral? A company that's been very successful in generating viral campaigns over the years has been Nando's. But that's because the content is brilliant. Or is there something deep and meaningful and dark behind? Maybe a science of, but this is not the science of, this is shapeshifters, because our shapeshifter is a human being. His name is Mike Sharman. He's the co-founder of a company called Retroviral. And you've just been bought by Bidvest. Well, Bidvest has bought a big fat chunk of you. I thought Bidvest cleaned bathrooms and put paper towels in the toilets and that sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, we've been uh, we've had a majority stake taken from the Bidvest Media Group, which is a is a separate division within the Bidvest Group, and that's where we are today. Okay, so, but you're a media business. I mean, that's where you fit into. You are in the business of creating campaigns to get public attention. Yes, we're a digital advertising agency, effectively. Okay, um, they were a fairly new phenomenon. The digital advertising agencies. What did you do? Mike Sharman, before you went into digital, were you a traditional cut-and-paste paper, glossy magazine advertising guy? So Retroviral's been going for five years now. And then prior to that, I had a brief stint working in the UK for a couple of years in traditional communications agencies. And by traditional communications, I'm talking about PR, guerrilla marketing, elements of activations. And at the time, it was about… Getting cheap publicity, basically. That's what you were in the business of. (laughs) That's no. what you're in the business of? No, well, I think well, it's... That, I mean, PR is exactly that. It's looking for free mileage. It's not just media. PR. I mean, it's earned media and looking at ways to sell a story positively and profoundly and getting people to talk about it without having to force feed them disruptive advertising. Um, but, but aren't people... Isn't sort of PR a thing of the 20th century? People are quite cynical about PR. More and more media see through PR for what it is. It's a, it's a harder industry. I think PR has kind of experienced an evolution and I think that there are certain PR consultants who've kind of stuck in a in the regime of writing press releases and then badly. trying badly and trying to convince journalists and, and media uh, influencers to post that content and I think that there are those that have kind of evolved and looked at different ways in which you incorporate social media and different elements of social within the world and I think if you look at it uh, earned media is effectively the same thing as talking around a bri talking around, you know, what interests you, what you're excited about. And now you can actually hear back from the consumer what they think about products, about brands, about services. So for me, we're definitely not a PR agency, but we're almost like a hybrid between advertising, PR, activation, and then online content creation. Okay, so give me a sense. I mean, I I mentioned Nando's as probably the most successful viral marketers. Um, And you just think to yourself, well, it it happens by accident. Or maybe it's because they're so brilliant at creating topical, timeless advertising that their campaigns go viral. Is there a, a more cynical driving force behind what goes viral and what doesn't? So at Retroviral, we actually have a mantra called the three C's. And what that's about is creating remarkable content at the heart of everything that you do. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, whether that's um, video or whether it's a tweet, a tweet is effectively a digital street poll ad or a street poll yep. like advertising something. And if you can capture people with those 140 characters to actually go deeper and, and read the links and read the content thereof, you know that's remarkable content. And once you put that remarkable content and you... And you seed it and engage with relevant influencers and online communities and you create that emotional connection, that's when you can start having an impact and potentially going viral. It's a hell of a step from 140 characters to that point though, surely. No, it is. And I think that's the reason why what we do is we create the content and then we find the right people to disseminate that content to. So 
based on paid, owned and earned media. We work with bloggers and online influencers and other characters and individuals who have large followings and social and, and other channels. We also look at paid media. So how can we run pre-rolls that aren't just you're interrupted? You're using a lot of jargon here. What is yes, a pre-roll? You know when you're on YouTube and you're watching a video and then the first five seconds is an ad. Well, the, the first 30 seconds is an ad, but you can skip the, after the first so five. Yes. That's skippable element. That's yes. called a pre-roll. Ah. And what we do is we try to create those first five seconds as something that is so remarkable that you don't want to skip. Okay, and and, and I, I hear you on that. All right, now I'm beginning to now I'm beginning to get where you are on this. I did see a fantastic advert the other day. It was so fantastic I don't remember who it was for, but it was the first five seconds through three key messages at you, and the person doing the ad went, "Now you can skip." And you go, no, I don't want to skip. That was quite good, the first five seconds. I'm going to watch the rest of this. I don't remember what it was for. But <laughs> That's <certainly>, a problem. <laughs> absolutely. But then I have a short attention span, I think the word is. Um, but but it, is about, it is about creating that compelling content. Now, you and I have got very different ideas about what compelling content will be. Yes. To me, compelling content is the fact that the Barclays chief executive got fired today. The fact that the New York Stock Exchange is broken. Yes. Um, if it bleeds, it leads. In a traditional journalistic sense, bad news is good news. Um, that's what the news media is about. You're on a different plane when it comes to what you would regard as great content. Your great content is anything that people will relate to in a positive sense. And I think it's it's greater than that. I think it's brand storytelling and and being able to take a brand that is generally faceless and doesn't have an emotional connection and then plugging that into a target market that says, wow, that product is the one that I need to purchase. That is the service that I need to adopt and I need to download. It's advertising, it is. Um, and, and some advertising is great and some advertising will, rubbish. <laughs> will move you to, to, to acting and, others, and other advertising will be ignored. Now, what is the science in this digital world of getting a campaign? Give me a, a real-world example of something you've worked on from that initial 140-character tweet to getting real traction through the, the chain of messages to finally getting that proper engagement that you so desperately seek. So a perfect example is that the advertising industry has always been obsessed with awareness, 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 awareness. But like you say, if you can't drive conversion and actually lead to sales, then you're wasting your client's time. So Sansui Summer Cup, perfect example. End of 2014, we were briefed to get more middle-class Johannesburgers excited about going to the horse races. And it's something that if you think about it, not anybody in, 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 in this country at least knows or is aware of that there's a horse race every single day of the year except for christmas day that's a message that's completely lost on the audiences out there why I mean, <laughs> because it's a gambling opportunity there's a money-making opportunity of course there but is. there's also but lifestyle elements and party it, it, and music components about the day at the races and and the, and the thing is that Joburg doesn't have the most glamorous racetrack you know it's positioned between there's, between turf, a, there's turf and tain. that's it's, lovely it's positioned between a mine dump and then obviously instagrammable opportunities of the city skyline and i think that that gave us an opportunity to really say what does Joburg have that's a differentiator from cape town and and the, the durban july but so, did anybody go to then what was it the Sansui Summer Cup. So I have, a great, I have a great case study for you. So effectively, so we said, what makes Joburg different? Well, we have taxis and we have traffic. Okay. Awesome. So, I'm, so, I'm loving it already. Yeah. So, so we took the, the good old paradigm shift of taxis generally being the antagonist, especially for your listeners, and we made them the hero 
of this content and we created something called the Josie Jockeys. And this was a video of guys in their jockey silks getting into their taxis and the taxis racing through the streets of Joburg, jostling for position. That's a realistic uh, image, yeah. Yes, <laughs> and I'll, I'll send you the link afterwards so you can tweet it to your followers and to your listeners. But no, it, see, that, I'm not going to be used by you in this way. I shall not be used that, by this that way. That piece of content went incredibly well because what it did was it had an awareness message, it had the piece of content, and then it had a call to action at the end, click here for tickets. So we completed all of the key messages within one piece of communication and how did the, i mean then the, the crucial test of it is of course click here for tickets yeah. and, and how many did we sell and how many did you sell and how many people actually went through the turnstiles on the day Ten thousand tickets sold is that good that's very good because the target was actually 18 to 20,000. And then on race day the numbers were exceeded and we had 20 to twenty-five thousand people actually attend on race day now Works maybe as a once-off because I, growing up in the 1980s, horse racing was was terribly glamorous, and there was lots. There was, there was it was like a Durban July every single weekend, and yes. now really the July and maybe the race that happens in Cape Town, the beginning of the year, the Met. the Met, those are seen as big social events. Sure. But not every horse race every single day is going to be the great big social event. Some of them are downright tragic uh, of people, you know, of putting their last five bucks on a, on a pony hoping it'll come in the first three or, you know, however the betting systems work. Sure. There's a dark and seedy underside to the world of gaming and gambling and horse <laughs> racing falls into that. Sorry, yeah. that's, see, we've got different perspectives on content no totally <laughs> and, but, I, but I think that's the thing is like it's, yeah. it's the point is is not that you know regardless of the topic you know, we're able to create content that talks yeah, to no, a specific no. target market that can take people down the sales funnel and they can convert them to actual sales funnels there we go oh, there you sure. go nothing like a sales funnel <laughs> um, but, but that, that so that is the, the business that you're in and that is converting messages into money into sales at the end of the day that is what he does at retro viral um, i guess this evening uh, is just been bought by bidvest they will own his soul uh, retro viral digital communications mike charman is the co-founder of retro viral if you want to talk about um about uh, viral campaigns what has grabbed you what hasn't grabbed you what works what doesn't oh two one four four six oh five six seven oh double one eight eight three oh seven oh two you talk about making stuff go viral. Um, creepy crawly yes. is, a, is a South African invention. Without yes. whom, um, there'd be half the number of swimming pools in South Africa because it makes having a swimming pool tolerable. Um, what have you done for them? So a couple of years ago, we had a great piece of what we call branded content. So branded content is where you create a story for a brand and it comes across as less of an ad and more of a, a, a documentary or a mockumentary uh, per okay. se. So what we did was we created this concept of the creepy crawly wrangler and this character his life's ambition was to go and fish creepy crawlies out of swimming pools around south africa tragic man starring yes. jason <laughs> goliath who's now on strictly come dancing so he's quite a he's quite a celebrity <laughs> or celebrity in the south african landscape yes. Um, but it's about that. I mean, so Glenn is a little bit unkind about your industry. He goes, uh, marketing people really believe their own poppycock, don't they? We'll just talk about emotional connections and compelling stories. How shallow a culture do we live in when chicken burger content is, causes emotional connections? Glenn is a particularly cynical correspondent on the moment. Clearly. Show. Um, but a lot of stuff people see straight through. Um, and that is, so it, it, um, not half of advertising doesn't work. It's because it doesn't make any sort of connection or it doesn't feed a need. How do you make that connection? How do you feed that need for information? Make me want what it is that you're offering. Well, I think our tactic from a retroviral point of view is like we want to create 
good storytelling. We want people to buy into the story that we're telling them. And it's not just forcing a product down their throat. It's about telling a great story first. And then taking and then them, you force the product down their no, throat. And then no. taking them on a journey and then convincing them that this is the right product for you. And I think that the great thing that how we operate is that we look at taking a product or a service, telling a story, and then saying, has this actually led to sales? So let's overlay communication data with sales data. So let's do this legitimately and see if we can make an impact. And I'll have all the media... You know, out of all, if you look at traditional media and the figures that you're given from ramps and amps and all these kinds of archaic, hypothetical pieces of data, if you look at digital, it's the most measurable media. And I think that's the most important thing. Which makes it terrifying because when you do do your your research based on surveys, there's room for error. When it comes to digital content and delivering digital content, you know exactly how many people have watched that YouTube video. You know exactly how many people have responded to that particular piece of content because there was a click-through from that particular piece of content. There was action on this message, not Mm. on this one. It's an exact science. It's provable. Exactly. And I think that's a great thing because our industry is held to much greater standards and much greater tangible um, analytical data to say this is what happened and this was the result and I think that's why we love what we do because we get you know excited by the fact that we've seen those X amount of thousands of eyeballs seeing our content and actually skipping from one set of data and one piece of content to actually making a, a decision. Now the real test and you talk about the Sansui Summer Cup you managed to get between twenty and 25,000 people going to an event as a once off. Yes. The real test is whether or not that event is repeated this year Sure, and it'll be better. And whether or not people, you get repeat business, because that then talks to whether the message properly, maybe it it may have sold, a lousy event really well, and people just don't go back, or maybe it reflected the reality, and the reality delivered on the brand promise that was created through the campaign. I think the Greeks have made you very cynical this week, Bruce. Uh, The the Greeks made me cynical years ago. (laughs) Okay, but I think the important thing is that it isn't a once-off. It's a relationship builder. There's no way that you can communicate and have a burst a process and then from there expect something to just continue organically. You, you have to continue to feed your communities. You have to invest in them, take the time, build that. You have to spend money to create that awareness, and that's what you have to do. Digital isn't a once-off. It's not a, it's not a one-trick pony, and I think it's really important that you continue to create a strategy, follow that, see what's working, and then you know steer the ship in a new direction if it needs to change. And that's why it's a beautiful industry. How do you reach new markets? Because once you're speaking to a converted market and you get 25,000 strong responses on every campaign that you launch, how do you know that they, they're not the same 25,000 people who have bought into the way you do things? Well, it's important to research. Like You can't just stop and, and, and hope and throw something into the dark pit of the internet and hope that it continues to work. You always have to engage and ask people. And that's the beautiful thing about the internet is that it talks back. It's, I mean, like the way that you guys now have listeners SMSing and tweeting in, what they do is they tell you when they like a piece of your content and they tell you when they don't. And I think that you constantly have to reassess and you have to see what that means for your business. You can't just hope that one tactic worked and it's going to continue to work forever. And that's why you have to constantly assess, you know, there's new technology like Periscope and Meerkat. Maybe you guys on your show in particular would want to do some live streams using Periscope and you can see in live detail who's tuning in and who isn't and maybe that's a technology that can work for you and bridge the gap between listenership from a radio point of view and from a new media point of view but maybe it doesn't work and maybe you realize that was a waste of a resource let's just do the good old-fashioned way of talking to people through the airwaves and i think that's the important thing is assess what technology can potentially work for your business and stuff that you don't have resources for don't waste your time what does it mean for the future for the future of brands and the future of the way in which we perceive those brands 
Brands finally have a voice. Brands have the ability to talk to you in a certain tone in a certain way. Haven't they always? But they've never been able to talk to you on a day-to-day basis in tweet format, in Facebook. They now are part of your community. They're part of your culture. They're part of your friendship base, which is quite sad for some people. It's tragic. It's very very (laughs) tragic for some people. But I think before, when you were broadcasted to, you were told, this is the brand. This is the voiceover that's going to be repeated for the next 100 commercials. Hire him. Hire him. Make him. Give him voiceover work. You don't do that. Um, And I think that's the important thing is like in the past, you would choose, think about when Celsi first launched. They had Sylvain Strike as the voiceover artist and she had the sultry tones of Celsi. And we would remember that, that every campaign, she was the one that spoke about that all the time. And the brand was pigeonholed as, hi, I'm Mm. Celsi. And that is very beautiful or a little bit disturbing, whichever way you wanted to take that. Eventually annoying. Whereas now, brands are different on a day-to-day basis. And when I talk to brands, I say to them, you can't be all things to all people. So a lot of the time with with communication, you have to choose a premise. And and that's why I compare online communication to stand-up comedy. Because you stand up on stage and stand-up comedy, and you've got an audience full of people, different colors, different backgrounds, different psychology. and, And you need to communicate with them so that they're going to nod their head and buy into what it is that you're saying. And that's why creating key insights and key premises. I mean, I can talk to you about rappers and whether you like rap or not, like you bought into that and you have an opinion. So Bruce, you know what's scary about rappers is how they have these deep husky rapper voices. So it's like, uh, 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 where would I be without you? I only think about you. I know you're tired of being lonely. So baby girl, put it on me. You know, and the, the only time I ever have that voice is when I have the flu. So it's like, uh, oh, oh, they're dripping in my throat with post nasal. Bruce, make me soup and sprinkle some basil. You know, and that's the thing is that no. with it, okay, don't bomb it. But the point no. is, you laughed at the premise Absolutely. and you and you smiled and you bought into it. So if I can deliver communication with a premise and a key insight, whether you like rap or don't, you have an opinion on it. What about brand fatigue? Because also there is so much of this stuff. Some of it good, some of it great, most of it rubbish. Okay, there's a hell of a lot of noise online, but how many of the billboards driving down the M1 do you remember? Zero. Yeah. Okay, so that's my point. It's like you're going to have fatigue in any form of media. Sure. And it's very important that you cut through the clutter. Banners in isolation have zero work. The only time you click on a banner is by mistake. You know, that's like 90%. <laughs> and you get so cross. Yeah. yeah. You, I mean, you just make up a stat. 99% of the clicks that you make on a banner are by mistake. But the beautiful thing about other forms of content is that in watching a YouTube video, we can embed a remarketing code. So you've seen my Josie Jockeys video. You go to your next Google Display Network uh, site and you're served a Josie Jockeys, Jockeys message. Is Brian Joffy going to utilize this to, to make Bidvest my new best friend? I don't know. That's a question you're going to have to ask him directly. But is, but is that part of the idea? Or is this simply, this is Bitvest buying into your business to create a media empire, as part of a media em, em, empire strategy. This isn't about uh, another string to Bitvest self-promotion bow. That's a strategy question that you have to ask head office directly. I'm not at liberty to talk. I'm not a Bitvest spokesperson. I'm a retroviral spokesperson. And that's why I'm here today to talk about G- retroviral. Guess what? You work for Bidvest. It's going to be interesting to see how that evolves and whether or not you can change public perceptions of Bidvest. Whatever that public perception is, how you can influence it. It's absolutely fascinating. Mike Sharman, the multi-talented, versatile Mike Sharman. He does voiceovers. He does weddings. He does bar mitzvahs and the occasional funeral too, no doubt. Mike, Mike Sharman, he is the founder of Retroviral.